Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Christopher Hall Show, also on the Neil Haley Show, simulcast with the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, how are you? Again, Nobel Prize nominated uh, doctor, also an author. How are you? And we have a really exciting guest today. Chris, tell us who our guest is. Well, yeah, I'm doing great, Neil. And uh, yeah, this is uh, a really exciting time, actually, uh, of the year and, and what's going on here so far as this pandemic. And uh, I'm very excited about the guest that we have today. Excellent. So introduce him, please. Well, no problem. Well, you know, it's my honor uh, to introduce uh, one of uh, America's foremost, actually, uh, quoted cardiologists. Uh, and um, uh, so far as his research, so far as uh, what he's done, his, uh, his uh, papers have been downloaded, uh, particularly uh, in, in related to the coronavirus, uh, more than any other papers here uh, in the world. And, uh, and so um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, let Dr. Peter McCullough uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Dr. McCullough, uh, so far as your training and um, kind of what, you know, when this pandemic came on, what we had to do. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm an academic internist, cardiologist. I'm a trained epidemiologist in Dallas, Texas. I'm in clinical practice, spend about half my time seeing patients uh, as I did all day yesterday, and then uh, half the time doing uh, academic work. I'm an editor of Reviews in Cardiovascular Medicine. I'm the former editor of Cardiorenal Medicine, senior associate editor of the American Journal of Cardiology, and and I'm an author. I have uh, over 51 papers uh, on the pandemic. Uh, for COVID-19. Uh, these are uh, peer-reviewed, fully cited in the National Library of Medicine, and then 650 papers total on the interface between heart and kidney disease and other general medical topics. I do produce a report to America each week on America Out Loud Talk Radio, the McCullough Report, and I'm a frequent contributor. A lot of your listeners will recognize me uh, to Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, uh, and the major media. And the reason why I'm so active is that I really feel that uh, myself and many in my circles, that is really, this pandemic is calling for the top doctors in America to step up and provide leadership uh, through the pandemic, interpreting data, finding new ways of treating patients, provide, preventing hospitalization and death, and now handling the issue of mass vaccination. Wow, very, 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 uh, very impressive. So, and you know, we have a lot uh, to talk about, uh, uh, but I wanted to start with some very basic questions. You know, myself, uh, doctor, I always ask these, these, these simple questions, okay? And so, uh, Dr. McCullough, tell us a little bit about kind of um, where you're from and why you decided to go into medicine. Um, I, I was a kid, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, but moved down when I was young to, to, to Texas, originally Wichita Falls in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, I went on to Baylor University. And uh, from the very beginning, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. I loved science. I loved the application of science to help uh, patients and people in need. And uh, I, I had no other uh, career ideas outside of being a doctor. After Baylor, I went to University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, still in the, probably the top 25 medical schools in the United States. I finished top of my class, AOA, and then went on to the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, at the time and still today, number one medicine training program in the United States, just ahead of the Harvard programs. And like at that, after that juncture, like many other people at the university did service, many of my fellow residents became DC officers or went into the military. I did a, a three-year period of time in rural health service in the north, uh, northern part of Michigan 
third year of that, I went to the University of Michigan School of Public Health and then on into training uh, in cardiology at what's now the Wayne Beaumont uh, Oakland University School of Medicine. We did groundbreaking research on primary angioplasty for acute MI. We had an iconic leader there, William O'Neill. Our publications, uh, we really uh, lit up the world with our New England Journal of Medicine publications on this new way of treating myocardial infarction. And I remember great skepticism back then when we said we could get the artery open, and that was better than giving thrombolytics. Thrombolytics was controlled by the, um, by the pharmaceutical industry, uh, and we had to fight a, an uphill battle of conflicts of interest against all the major academic institutions, which were in bed with big pharma as the community hospitals were with the breaking things wide open with primary angioplasty. And here we are today now with COVID-19, uh, all the academic institutions are completely aligned with uh, the big pharmaceutical industry on the plan for mass vaccination and then selective drugs in the hospital. And we're breaking it wide open uh, with the use of uh, many drugs uh, inappropriately uh, utilized off-label uh, uh, clinically indicated medically necessary prescription to treat COVID-19. Very, very true. And uh, and so kind of uh, what you're trying to say is that you've kind of had the struggle before and that was certainly more in uh, the sort of cardiology. Again, we will have more infectious disease. So uh, let's just ask some pointed questions uh, uh, for Dr. McCullough. And so one of the things, uh, you know, myself being a doctor, I'm an ER physician for, for a number of years. And so when this virus first came out, uh, what we saw uh, was that pretty much patients were receiving no treatment. And um, again, so tell us, tell us about that. When you uh, encountered that juncture, Dr. McCullough, what, what did you think? I think initially what happened was uh, many doctors were fearful of getting the virus themselves. I can tell you personally, none of my patients were denied treatment. My patients that were high risk, that were high risk for hospitalization and death, from the very beginning, not a single patient was denied treatment. And you know, we think about 500 doctors in the United States can make that claim. A million doctors let the virus slaughter some of their patients. A million doctors did that. Historians are going to record this. Wow. Historians record that doctors were gripped in fear. They were paralyzed by this virus. They thought they were going to get it themselves. They were even afraid to get on the phone with patients. And then after that, things basically became what's called, now we understand it as called a mass formation psychosis, meaning that the doctors now are in a, a form of psychosis where they uh, uh, don't treat COVID-19. Uh, they do a, a very minimalistic job in the hospital. There's terrible outcomes in the hospital, and they are completely in lockstep in administering the vaccine as the only response to the pandemic as we see the vaccine uh, in wholesale failure. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. I agree. I totally agree with you on that. And um, and so, um, again, and, and what I saw, really, what I saw was that, uh, and something that we, we haven't really seen in history, you know, typically uh, finding novel treatments where, where, where drugs are were used for maybe off-brand drugs for other, other illnesses that, you know, that we find uh, uh, in our uniqueness to treat new diseases that come on, we're normally praised for those kind of things. But I saw in this atmosphere that we were threatened. Our livelihood was threatened. Our uh, certifications were threatened, licenses. And, uh, and so um, it's just, uh, and then we know now, we're seeing data that comes out now, we know how bad this vaccine is for, uh, for our organs and our bodies, our heart, the brain, the kidneys. Um, and this is all, again, related to what uh, uh, we know now 
uh, from a lot of studies, the um, effects of the spike protein. So Dr. McCullough, speak a little bit on that. Speak about this whole thing of the spike protein. I still think the public uh, doesn't quite have full understanding. Well, we know we're in a mass psychosis because doctors and uh, in, you know health systems and companies and schools that are recommending the vaccine, you know that they're in a sense kind of in a mental fog because they don't even recognize they don't even recognize that there's three vaccines. They say literally take any vaccine. Well, I can tell you there's three vaccines. The best vaccine for uh, preventing COVID-19 is Moderna. It's 100 micrograms of messenger RNA. It's three times the dose of Pfizer at 30 micrograms. And, uh, and then both Pfizer and Moderna are better than J&J. So those in the mass psychosis are not even recommending the best vaccine to prevent COVID-19. That shows you how ridiculous this is. And do you know that? Do you know almost every health system recommends any vaccine? They actually don't even care which one that people take. Isn't it stunning? Even the federal government doesn't care but yet there's one in every single analysis, Moderna has better outcomes than the other vaccines. Now, having said that, on the downside, the vaccines all cause a mosaic of cells that take up the genetic material. These are gene transfer technology uh, platforms. They take up the genetic material, a mosaic of cells, and it's different for each person as the lipid nanoparticles are distributed to vital organs like the brain, the heart, uh, the bone marrow. Uh, so each person's different, so their side effects are different the cells start to produce the spike protein. This is a 1200 amino acid protein, has about 12 glycosylation attachments. It's got some uh, code in it that actually codes uh, in part for the glycoprotein for uh, HIV. It has a gain of function mutation, uh, uh, human uh, change in the uh, what's called the furin cleavage joint that was uh, devised between the US government, uh, NIH, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. This dangerous 1200 amino acid protein is actually produced within human bodies now intentionally by the vaccine induced uh, production of the protein. And now we know everything we've learned about the spike protein since the release of the vaccines is bad. It's 100% bad. We now know the spike protein directly damages blood vessels and causes blood clotting independently. We know that it directly damages the heart. It damages pericytes, paper by Avolio and colleagues have shown that it directly causes myocarditis and the FDA agrees with official warnings on Pfizer and Moderna. It directly causes blood clotting and the FDA agrees as there are official warnings on J&J. &J. Uh, it directly causes other illnesses, including vaccine-induced thrombocytopenic purpurea uh, as uh, published in multiple scientific reports, including the New England Journal of Medicine, Annals of Hepatology. It directly causes uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome and the FDA agrees uh, with warnings on J&J. &J. It directly causes um, uh, uh, forms of uh, various uh, neurologic injuries, uh, additionally outside of Guillain-Barre, including Bell's palsy, uh, a spinal uh, transverse myelitis. In fact, Senator Johnson's most recent press briefing on vaccine injuries, it was a, a paralyzed uh, orthopedic surgeon uh, who gave his testimony. So all, everything we've learned about the spike protein is incredibly damaging to the body. And I think the, 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 the shoe really dropped with a, a very important paper produced by Bruce Patterson, July 29th, 2021 in preprint presented at the Rome uh, COVID summit in September, showing that after the respiratory infection, the S1 segment is of the spike protein is recoverable in, in CD16 positive human monocytes for up to 15 months after the respiratory infection. And now Bruce Patterson, who's a brilliant molecular biologist trained at University of Michigan Northwestern, has been a faculty at Stanford. Bruce on the McCullough Report, America Law Talk Radio, the McCullough Report, 
on my interview this weekend, which is now in podcast currently, he basically presented the data that after the vaccine, it's even worse that the S1 and the S2 segment are recoverable in samples from people months after the vaccine. So what I'm telling you is the vaccine almost certainly gives about 15 months or more of spike protein coverage in the body with shot one and then shot two another 15 months. If you're immunocompromised, shot three another month later, another 15 months. And then once we get into every six month injections, the spike protein is gonna accumulate in critical organs like the brain, the heart, the bone marrow. And I can tell you, it's almost certainly gonna cause chronic disease. The spike protein is not a benign substance and it takes forever to clear out of the human body. Dr. McCullough, this is amazing information you're bringing out on uh, the Dr. Christopher Hall show. The concern I have is why is this not coming out more? Like that the, if we continue to do MNR, mRNA shots, that the jab, it's gonna end up really causing a lot more health issues than just stopping COVID, meaning other, other health problems are gonna happen. It, it's true. What we know, I mean, some of the really concerning things beyond the chronic neurologic illnesses and uh, the myocarditis and the heart damage, as well as the hematologic syndromes, what we're really worried about is a paper from China showing that the S2 segment of the spike protein interacts with the P53 tumor suppressor gene and the BRCA gene. And women know this because the BRCG, BRCA genes related to breast cancer and female reproductive cancers. What we know there is that with progressive spike protein accumulation, we have great concerns on what's called oncogenesis or the development of cancer. And so there is a situation, there is an immediate warning uh, that's out now in the popular press and through all of our uh, various forms of communication to the world that progressive every six month vaccination is going to lead to chronic diseases, uh, almost certainly including cancers. Uh, we had word, I was on TV recently in Australia that they are planning for 14 shots per person. So that's seven years of progressive spike protein accumulation in the human body. Canada's planning on five years. Uh, this is an extraordinary loading of the human body with a pathogenic dangerous protein is going to lead to, I think, a population health disaster. Yeah, th this is, you know, this is horrible. Okay, this is horrible. Um, that, uh, you know, again, we, we, we had this early use authorization. So obviously, these, these studies were never done. Uh, there's no safety data whatsoever uh, on these vaccines. And, um, these these vaccine shots, these boosters, need to stop now. Uh, I'm not sure why uh, majority of our colleagues are uh, having this fog and this uh, psychosis. Uh, when clearly, uh, one of the things we do as physicians is we think logically and uh, we make our decisions based on the scientific method. And so, wow, this this is just incredible. Uh, but um, I tell you one thing, um, as a physician, as a doctor, as a citizen, I am, um, I just, I just feel so honored and great to have Dr. McCullough, uh, quarterbacking. Okay. Uh, in this time where, you know, this is actually the Super Bowl for doctors. Uh, and so it's just a travesty. So 
Well, you know, many doctors have taken the vaccine. In fact, they're now taking boosters. So, um, you know, I, I have a great uh, a sadness and, and, uh, and empathy for them uh, as these syndromes uh, set in. I recently uh, was sitting on an airplane and I was flying back from symposium. I was looking at my slides and the woman sitting next to me started asking me questions about COVID. Her husband next door to her, he was in a fetal position. He looked awful. He had just taken the Pfizer booster. And I asked him, I said, you know, what's it like compared to shot one and shot two? He said, it's so much worse. <laughs> I told him, listen, get up and move around. I'm worried you're going to form a deep venous thrombosis. This guy looked terrible. And after I presented her the data, I showed her the safety data. You know, we're at over 18,000 deaths in VARES. We know from two reports, one from Rose, one from McLaughlin, that if these deaths in VARES, half of them domestic, we know that 48% 40, 40%, 50% uh, of the deaths occur within 48 hours, 80% of deaths occur within a week. Uh, they're strongly temporarily related to the shots. It's externally consistent. Same thing you see in the yellow card system and the uterus system. Uh, we know uh, from McLaughlin that 86% of the deaths have no other explanation. The vaccine is the smoking gun leading to record numbers of acute deaths. But the great concern now is that in those who survive the, the shots, that now there's gonna be this progressive accumulation of, of spike protein. And I know people are doing it in part of the mass psychosis is they think that the vaccine prevents the development of COVID-19. And what we know now is our CDC director has told us it doesn't stop transmission. We have data from Rimerisma from University of Wisconsin and the Department of Public Health there showing vaccinated, unvaccinated, they're equally as infectious. Uh, they have equal and high viral loads of the Delta variant. Acharyan from University of California Davis showed the same thing, asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic and symptomatic equal viral loads. So the vaccinated are clearly carrying around the virus and spreading it to others. We know this because in Israel, everyone's vaccinated and boosted in over 90% of Israelis with COVID-19. They've got plenty of COVID are fully vaccinated with boosters. Uh, same thing for those being hospitalized and dying. We know from the 46th UK Public Health Service report that over 80% of those with COVID-19 and who are dying are fully vaccinated. So it's clear the vaccines uh, don't have an impact. I looked at the data carefully, and I think to be fair to the vaccines, a paper by Cohn and colleagues from the VA showed a minimal benefit on mortality, about a one to 2% absolute difference. A lot of this was selection bias. Those who take the vaccine are more likely to survive even if they don't get COVID. But the point is there was some measurable benefit through the first few months of the vaccine program, but it fell off a cliff. And what they showed in the cone study by February, the vaccine protection absolutely fell off a cliff. And two things happened then. In February, most people who took the vaccine hit a six-month anniversary. We now we have 22 studies showing the vaccines run out of gas after six months. They don't have any protection. And then the second thing that happened by September is we're fully shaded in on Delta. The Delta variant is largely resistant to the vaccines, particularly Pfizer. This is amazing, wow. Dr. Hall. And it's stuff that we've been talking about on the show and I've been hearing, but we're hearing it from the horse's mouth from his research and what you've been seeing. How can people that, I guess we're seeing a split now in this country, right? If someone should become vaccinated or not vaccinated, are you seeing many doctors like yourself speaking out or are they fearful of, of speaking out about what you've been finding? Most doctors, their thinking isn't clear enough to speak out. So they're confused. Again, they're in this mass psychosis. They know they're doing something wrong. They know something is wrong. 
but they're almost like in a trance. It would be similar to the Nazi Germany doctors who were performing eugenics and other things. They kind of knew at a at a brainstem or midbrain level that that they were doing something wrong, but they couldn't it couldn't get to their consciousness. Uh, so uh, we we see it all the time. Doctors can't. Uh, they can't engage with a doctor who's got a clear interpretation of the data. In fact, millionaire Steve Kirsch in our circles who funded the uh, COVID-19 early treatment fund and now the COVID-19 vaccine injury fund. Steve has gone around to medical school after medical school, public health agency, one after another, and has invited them to a round table to just have a discussion on vaccine safety and efficacy. And if they show up, he'll give them $2 million right on the table. Do you know no one will do it? No one will show up and make the case that the vaccines are safe and effective. So in their, again, deep in their brains, they know something is wrong. They know the vaccines don't work and they know they're not safe. And no, obviously no one uh, is, is uh, convinced enough to show up and claim $2 million. That should tell you a lot. Definitely. That, um, I'm sorry, definitely. That tells you everything, okay? When you start to put your money where your mouth is, that's when you start to to get the truth. And so, you know, kind of um, a quick summary of what we've learned from, from Dr. McCullough. And, I, and I'll just make a, a number of points here. And obviously very uh, impressive and uh, uh, a, a physician with a lot of years of experience. And uh, And so... This spike protein is a product of the gain-of-function research in a Chinese lab. Again, we're injecting that uh, uh, the mRNA that codes for this protein. And this is something, again, that we've never done ever, ever in the history of this world. Okay, So the spike protein is a toxin. It's deadly. It deposits uh, in the brain, in the heart, uh, deposits in the uh, the ovaries, because of the uh, the phospho-nanoparticles, uh, is what we're finding. And so, yeah, pregnant women also are, are having miscarriage and are being affected. And so now what we see are these mandates, these mandates, which, again, are removing our rights. And for some reason, they're targeting the, the young kids. And we know, again, that uh, we, uh, uh, and Dr. McCullough can speak to this, I'm sure, that we've seen uh, a lot of uh, cases of myocarditis in the young kids. And so this is clearly one of the reasons why, uh, not only that, again, just the risk profile of, of what happens to children when they get this, 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 this virus, where they don't end up uh, severely sick or ill. And so uh, the risk is, is worth giving a, a young kid this vaccine. So um, what do you think about that, uh, Dr. McCullough? You can say a couple words on that, and then um, I guess we can uh, maybe get a summary. I'll get a little well, bit of summary here. So, for the pediatric... Yes, for the pediatric yes. meetings in September and October, the FDA heard these analyses from expert presenters in my circles, including uh, David Wiseman, who's a former uh, J&J scientist, a vaccine expert, uh, Kim Witzak, who's a, a public health and patient advocacy uh, um, expert, and many others who presented, uh, Peter Doshi, who's the associate director of the um, uh, British Medical Journal. We're talking top flight people. The analyses basically were the following. Tracy Hogue from UC Davis, uh, UC California Davis showed that a young person aged 12 to 17 is more likely to be hospitalized with myocarditis due to the vaccine than ever be hospitalized due to COVID-19, the respiratory illness. And Ron Kostev showed in toxicology reports, published peer reviewed literature at any age, one is more likely to die with the vaccine 
than taking your chances with COVID and dying with COVID. And that's due to what's called determinism, meaning when you take the vaccine, it's in your body, you can't get it out. If you pass on the vaccine, it doesn't mean you're going to get COVID. The people contemplating taking the vaccine now are still susceptible. They've gone nearly two years in dodging COVID. Some people are going to dodge COVID forever. They're never going to get it. So um, we know that uh, the FDA didn't dispute these analyses. And shockingly, what Dr. Rubin said, and he's the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, I can tell you I'm the editor of another major journal, and I'm also uh, uh, you know, at, a, at, a, at one of the highest echelons of all the academic doctors in the world, so I'll just tell him directly. What he said was reprehensible. What he said at the meeting was the only way if we're going to find out about safety with the vaccines is to go ahead and try them in the kids, and he was commenting about children age 5 to 11, and we know in that age group, there's no clinical benefit. The registrational trial was published in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, recently. And I can tell you, there was no benefit. The vaccine basically prevented a few cases of the sniffles. There was no comment on spread. There was no serious illness in either the placebo or the vaccine group. The kids basically had less than a, a common cold with COVID-19. We would never subject kids to a vaccine uh, with that. What's part of the mass psychosis is to be honest with you, the vaccines aren't, not, aren't for the kids' benefit. The kids are being positioned as human shields. And in this distorted psychotic thinking, the masses of adults are saying vaccinate the kids and make them human shields uh, in this fear-driven psychosis that if the kids all get blasted with the vaccine, somehow that would protect the adults which it doesn't because you could still transmit. It's already out there, Peter and Dr. McCullough, and you're seeing flat out that's the reason. All right, uh, Dr. Hall, summarize uh, Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough, please. Well, no problem. We know uh, we've just actually been, been graced, okay, with the, uh, the presence, okay, of a foremost uh, expert here on um, COVID-19 uh, infection, uh, the treatment of it, Again, uh, Dr. McCullough, he is the um, orchestrator of the McCullough Protocol, okay? Uh, the multifaceted um, sequential drug treatment, uh, treatment uh, for COVID. And so um, um, I would just like to thank Dr. McCullough for, for coming on the show today and for being a, a champion okay, of this cause for America uh, because clearly what he's done, his, his protocol, the McCullough Protocol has cut down that projected death rate. The CDC had projected that 1.7 million Americans would die, okay? But with Dr. McCullough's protocol, the number is at seven, 700,000. And so uh, it's just uh, awesome what he's done. So thank you, sir, uh, for coming on the show and for being a, a champion for Americans uh, and American hero for this cause. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it, Dr. McCullough. Take care. Best place people can connect with you is go where? Go to America Out Loud Talk Radio, The McCullough Report. All right. Thank you, Dr. McCullough. Take care. Bye-bye. All, right. All, right. All right. That was the Dr. Christopher Hall Show, guys. Take care.